0: she's tori and he's nick and this is i want to rewatch
1: an x-files podcast
0: episode 22
1: born again in this episode a cop is thrown from a window and the only other person in the room is an eight-year-old girl The girl swears she saw another man in the room, and her sketch looks like a deceased police officer. Mulder thinks it might be a poltergeist, or psychokinesis, or maybe something else. Scully is doubtful, but she wants to find the truth before more people die.
0: I'm kind of wondering what Mulder's something else is, because, I mean, ghosts or psychokinesis, like, what else is there? I mean, mean, aliens, aliens. obviously. Yeah, aliens would be a hard call, though. I mean, (laughs) this one. Yeah, Yeah.
1: maybe a reincarnation.
0: Oh, hmm. Yeah. an interesting premise, maybe.
1: Yeah, it could be. It's an interesting idea. So this episode was written by Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza. It was directed by Gerald Friedman, who also directed Ghost in the Machine. But this is his last X-Files episode directing.
0: Yeah, and this is the last one written by Gordon and Ganza because... Ganza left, but I guess this one was written before the one because uh, Howard Gordon co-wrote Miracle Man with Chris Carter. And that was because Ganza had left. But I guess they had this one in the bank. So Yeah. I mean, this one was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: What a surprise. The original air date was Friday, April 29th, 1994.
0: And it had a viewership of 13.7 million in the United States.
1: Nice. Getting up.
0: Yeah. So as the episode opens, um, a car pulls up to a police precinct, which is the 14th Precinct in Buffalo, New York, a.k.a. the 1-4, because that's how cops talk, and two men in suits get out of the car and they go into the building, one of them has a bag lunch, and he starts talking to one of his co-workers, Detective Sharon Lazard, and he calls her a piece so like sexual harassment much in there I know. like how come the night shift gets a nice piece like you and we're stuck with him. it's like oh uh. nice okay so anyway she's like yeah well that's the fate's trying to keep us apart and so then she leaves and and she's walking down the street, and she sees this young girl in an alley sitting on a box. And I'm like, there's cops, like, everywhere around this place. And, like, <laughs> she's the first one to see the kids sitting on a box in the alley. So she asks the girl if she's all right, if she's lost, and the little girl finally nods. And so she brings her back into the precinct. And so she's talking again to the co-worker who called her a piece. His name is Detective Barbala, And he's like, you know how good I am with kids. I can get the girl to talk. And so they go into the room and they walk in and she immediately like tells them that her name is Michelle. And so it's like, oh, okay. So then Detective Lazard leaves, which seems weird because normally you would have two cops in the room i think especially with a minor and you know, we just have one person in the room by themselves with a minor but anyway so he's asking her questions and he gets her last name her name's michelle bishop and he's like okay where do you live and then she just kind of stares at him because that's basically all she does in this episode basically is stare and then we cut to the outside of the building and we see psh, the window explodes <laughs> and we see like a body coming out and then we cut back inside and they're like oh my god we heard a noise and they run in the room and Detective Lazard runs over and she looks out the broken window and boom, Barbara is laying there on a car. He's dead. And then she turns around and the little girl is just still sitting there, just like staring into space like nothing happened. Right. And then X-Files, X-Files, <laughs> X-Files.
1: Yeah. Her, so Michelle looks so 90s that it hurts. Like she has straight hair and like a headband and it's very like just early 90s style. Also, in this scene, like the first scene when she's on the box and in the interrogation room, she's wearing this like purple sweatshirt with flowers on it, which is actually the same sweatshirt that Samantha Mulder, Mulder's sister, is wearing in a photo that we see in the series. I don't think we've seen it yet, but later we'll see it. And she's supposed to be eight. And she's like in a playground on the photo. So she's kind of like on a jungle gym and she's smiling and she's wearing the exact same sweatshirt, uh, which I just thought was funny because they probably had it from either this episode or they had it from taking the shots of sam Mulder. and so they're just like well let's use it
0: you yeah know? well, I, know, I think we've seen a picture of her because like in his case file i think there's a picture of her and then and then we got a picture of her because remember he suddenly magically starts carrying around a picture of her right in, in miracle man that apparently he takes with him everywhere that we haven't known about <laughs> for like you know 17 episodes so yeah yeah
1: i don't know which one that was or when it appears because we do like i googled to figure out because i read on imdb that she's wearing the same shirt and i was like that's weird and so like i looked up all the photos of samantha Mulder and most of them as a kid that are like the original photos from like the first and second season she's like either in a swimsuit because i guess the molders had a pool there's like one where like kid fox is like also wearing a swimsuit and they're like hanging out and then there's just this one on the playground where she's got this purple sweatshirt on. So I don't know which ones we've already seen. We might have already seen the purple sweatshirt one. I don't know what the that's order is. That's interesting was.
0: because in Conduit, remember in Mulder's like pawing Ruby's mm-hmm. photo. Yeah, As she's a kid, wearing a she's, swimsuit. She's, she's wearing a swimsuit too. So
1: I think, yeah. and then those are the photos we see of Sam usually if she's in a swimsuit. And her oh, they just did wet. they
0: just, I wonder if they, did they repurpose the same photo? I wonder, that's interesting.
1: You know, who knows? So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting bit of trivia that they just reused a sweatshirt.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I might have to go back and look at the uh this season ep- photos that we have of Because I know in in Miracle Man, when we actually get like the, the child actor playing her that like Mulder keeps seeing, she's dressed almost like one of the Eves, like all in red and stuff.
1: Yeah, but, it's definitely yeah. a different look. I think it might even be a different kid. I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: but I am. Interesting. I might have to go back and look at those photos anyway. But yeah, speaking of which, speaking of like Eve or like Conduit, you <laughs> apparently can't win them all with child actors because this girl is not good. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of wonder, like, I agree, but I kind of wonder because like she's just staring and stuff. And like,
0: yeah, I, th- I wonder I'm- if
1: maybe that's the direction she's given because of like what we learn later. And so that's maybe. why. But it's it's kind of weird and it is super, it comes off as really wooden. And it's not... Like it should be creepy, like to go back to a kid who's just sitting there and someone's mm-hmm. just died, and it's not really creepy, it just feels really like blank,
0: yeah, yeah, and i mean she does she does do a little bit better job in the scene later where they're in the hypnosis session when she actually maybe has something to do, yeah, so I might be you know
1: it might just be that there a lot of the direction was like stare blankly or look angry, that's like she
0: didn't pretty have much that's pretty other. much all she does this episode <laughs> is just stare, yeah. Although strangely, she's staring in this scene when they first come in, like she's supposed to be like, just like staring like into space and like nonverbal and all this kind of stuff. But then she has this like weird little blinking thing where she's kind of like, like she gets distracted in the scene when they're walking into the, into the room, the two detectives. But anyway, I don't know. I just thought it was weird.
1: Yeah. So Mulder and Scully arrive at the precinct. Um, There's police tape everywhere outside. And so they've got it cordoned off and the crushed car is still there. So they're obviously like investigating what happened. And inside the precinct, Mulder asked Detective Lazar how he heard about them. And she says her brother is one of the cops who works on the Tombs case. I assume she's just referring to, like, Eugene Tombs, like, his case. And I'm assuming
0: from Squeeze, because he didn't actually have a case, so,
1: yeah. Right, but she wouldn't have called it the Squeeze case, even though I called him Squeeze last week.
0: (laughs) Well, you know. Maybe she oh. didn't see that episode. She just she, she only watched, you know, episode 21. She didn't see episode 3.
1: <laughs> so she basically heard that Mulder and Scully deal with weird stuff. And so she kind of explains what happened. And she says Michelle was there and said there was another man in the room. And Scully's like, well, did you get a description of the man? And Lazard insists, like, there couldn't have been anyone else there. I was I had just left the room. I was right outside. No one went in or out. Like, there was no one there. And the department is basically treating it as a suicide, but Lazard is like, that doesn't make any sense because Bovara was not like, he didn't seem suicidal. He was basically a
0: narcissist is what it sounds like. Yeah, well, it
1: sounds like, yeah, it did not seem like the sort of person, which to be fair, I mean, you never really know, but it is a little, and it's weird, like if you were going to do something like that. I don't know why you would do it with a little girl in the room. Like, that seems like the worst and most awful traumatic way to do it. I don't know. That's a
0: flex. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, it doesn't doesn't seem right. And so Lazard doesn't buy that. And Scully asks if she really believes that the kid had anything to do with it. And Michelle says she doesn't really know what to believe, but something just feels super off.
0: Yeah. And Mulder's like, most people open windows before they jump out of them.
1: <laughs> right. Just like jumping through the glass makes its just again, everything about it is super not how someone would do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then Mulder's working with Michelle and a digital sketch artist. And Michelle is describing the man that she saw in the room. And so, like, what you know, what color of his skin would he have? And what what was his hair like? Was it long or short? And was it was it dark like mine or light like yours? Although they don't really lighten it like hers in the picture we get but anyway and then he's like oh did he have a mustache and she's like yeah so then Mulder kind of whispers to the guy to make like a jokey mustache to make her laugh because she's basically just like monotone like flat face no affect no nothing and he gives him like a big curly mustache and she giggles and then the computer like goes and then this normal like 70s mustache pops up and they're like "Well, that was weird I didn't even push a button or nothing and then Mulder's like did he have a mustache like that? And she's like, yeah.
1: Yeah. She does get really like, like her face just drops though. When that photo Mm -hmm. comes on. Yeah. So meanwhile, Scully's interviewing Michelle's mother, Judy Bishop. And she's basically asking like, how did Michelle even get downtown to where the police station is? And Judy says, when she got home that day, the nanny was locked in the wine cellar. And so she has no idea what happened except that the kid locked the nanny in the cellar, I guess. Um, and so Michelle's gone through four nannies this year because she's just, like, Scully's like, what's the problem? And she's like, Michelle is, she's like a disturbed child. And she says sometimes Michelle scares her. Like, she doesn't have friends. She hardly ever smiles. Michelle sees things that aren't there. She hears people yelling sometimes. And so she's, she's worried about her daughter, but also, like, she's clearly not super easy to take care she's of.
0: creeped out by her own daughter.
1: She is a little creeped out. And so she takes Scully outside and they have like a pool, but it's been covered. And she says when they tried to teach Michelle to swim, she would scream like any time they got near the water, like bloody murder. And she's divorced from Michelle's father. So then Mulder brings Judy the sketch that Michelle created and she asks if she knows who it is. And Judy doesn't recognize it, but she did mention a friend, Sheila. And so Judy tells Mulder that that's Sheila, Dr. Sheila Braun, and she's a developmental specialist that Michelle sees twice a week. So at least like she's doing something for her kid, because that, you know, she's not just like, my kid is freaking me out. She's actually trying to get her help. And Michelle's watching them from a window above, and she tosses down this origami bird. And then Mulder asks the other officer if he can give Scully a ride. And Scully's like, We have an autopsy at seven, Mulder. And Mulder's like, Yeah, that's your department. <laughs>
0: yeah i don't
1: need to see that (laughs) so he's gonna go interview michelle's psychiatrist and before he leaves he tells scully to check the body for burn marks because psychokinesis is usually associated with an electrical charge so if that was part of the thing if that's what killed him then it would show up on his body and scully's like mm -hmm, okay and Mulder's like well how else could a 60 pound girl throw a grown man out the window (laughs) of course it's psychokinesis because that's how Mulder's brain works
0: yeah and then, well they never talk about it but we assume they're figuring out that like he went through the window like we saw that he went through the window backwards right and, and imagine they would be looking like you know for cuts and whatever if you went through a window so they, maybe they know that much already yeah but i was just excited because it was like he was like oh it's, a, cause it's like a little blue origami bird and it's like oh it's like a hawk or like a falcon and i was like blue falcon, <laughs> Shout out to falcon. Uh, no dynamite but oh well so yeah
1: and scully's face as he walks away after saying that is just like totally priceless it's like half he can't be serious but then there's also like this resignation that of course he's serious and also he kind of has a point and so it's like yeah. it's really yeah. fun, i don't know if it, her
0: face had that he has a point but it was well no because like, she does kind oh, of like okay. after that
1: <laughs> here we go but then she does kind of turn away and she does this little like huh thing like with her face because she's kind of like well you know he does kind of that's true how would it (laughs) so anyway (laughs) I don't know what she's actually thinking but it's a great it's a great with the exception
0: of one episode he's always right so maybe you should listen to him so yes
1: Mulder knows what's going on
0: that's right so then we're at Bryland Psychiatric Hospital in Buffalo New York and Mulder is showing Dr. Braun the sketch and she doesn't recognize it either And Mulder asked if Michelle could have made the person up. And she's like, well, yes, because Michelle's diagnosis is she's got like a dissociative disorder, is what we're saying. And so Mulder then kind of says, like, oh, schizophrenia. And, like, schizophrenia is not a dissociative disorder. Mulder, you should know that because you you've got a psychology degree from Oxford. But anyway, so then she says, yeah, we're not sure about determining the source of her uncontrollable rage. And I just, like, had incredible Hulk flashbacks. But then again, whatever. I'm all over the place in this episode. But that usually comes from a traumatic episode in the past that causes, like, the personalities to, like, pull back and another one to manifest or something like that and she doesn't have any of that like there's no history of any traumatic events in her past and she originally thought that she was being abused because she would have Michelle like act out things with dolls and when she would leave the room again people always like leaving kids in rooms by themselves I don't know what's going on but she would come back and the dolls were like always mutilated the exact same way like one arm is ripped off boom and then one eye is popped out boom And so she assumed like maybe she was being, you know, abused, but then after meeting with the family and all this kind of stuff, it's like, no, nothing like that. So she has no idea what's going on behind it. So she's just pumping her full of Thorazine because that seems to help. So cool. (laughs) And Mulder (laughs) asks, yeah. So then Mulder asks her if she's observed any strange phenomenon. And she's like, strange phenomenon? And he's like, yeah, like excess strength or psychic abilities. And like Dr. Braun just like shuts that down. She's like, I have a patient waiting Agent Mulder, we're done. Bye. I know.
1: She's not, <laughs> she's not putting up with it at all. She's like, no, get out. I mean, she doesn't say that. Yeah. She's very like, oh, okay, this is over. But yeah, she's not doing that.
0: But yeah, when well, they mention her <laughs> little uncontrollable rage, I just saw that opening from The Incredible Hulk where like, yeah. David Banner's trying to change the tire. And then he's like, oh, and then he chances in the Hulk and he flips the car over. But yeah.
1: Well, really- and it's funny because we've only seen Michelle just like, staring aggressively
0: yeah there's no uncontrollable rage. oh we never see uncontrollable rage actually in the episode
1: right because you think but so it's like huh anyway (laughs) so scully's doing the autopsy on barbala's body and there is actually an abrasion on his midsection that like does look like some kind of electrocution and obviously it's inconsistent with the cause of death that they assume which is just falling and you know onto a car and so she's says that the mark suggests localized electrocution. Um, and then Lazard kind of interrupts the autopsy, and she's like, can we talk for a second? And Scully's a little bit miffed about it. She's like, um, I'm in the middle of this. And Lazard's like, no, come on. And so, like, Scully leaves. She's
0: like, he's not going anywhere. I know.
1: <laughs> so she shows Scully the sketch, and then she shows him um, a photo of Charlie Morris. And he was a police officer who's been dead for nine years. And they obviously look... Very similar. And Charlie Morris used to work narcotics. He died on the job. And Lazard thinks that this means that Michelle saw a ghost.
0: Spooky. So then we're back at the 14th Precinct House in Buffalo, New York. And Mulder has got that photo. Well, it's not really a photo, it's like a computer printout of like just a drawing basically of Charlie Morris and then Scully arrives with a file on Morris which says that he was killed in the line of duty and she's like okay like don't tell me that you think a poltergeist did this Mulder and he's like well you're the one who found the abrasion on the body that looks like it was by like electrical activity which meets with psychokinesis and ghosts so why is it so hard for you to believe things when you see them we're looking for extreme possibilities and she's like yes but extreme possibilities make you miss obvious realities and then she walks Mulder over to this trophy case and she's like look and there's a picture of Charlie Morris with, like, a bunch of, like, honors or whatever, a big old picture of him. And she's like, when they brought Michelle in, they would have had to walk her right past this case. So she saw the picture of Charlie Morris. That's why she described it, because it was, like, the most recent thing she had seen. So Mulder asks if the police report describes how Charlie Morris was murdered. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, can I have the grizzly details? And so she starts saying, like, well, his right arm was cut off with a chainsaw. And his right eye was injured because apparently this was like a gangland thing with like the triads or something because he got killed in Chinatown. And apparently this is like a signature kill. So they kill all their people by chopping off their arm with a chainsaw and then injuring their right eye. And then Mulder whips out a doll. Boom. It's like, look at this. And this is the <laughs> doll that she's been mutilating in therapy. I do think it's funny. They just blacked out the doll's eye with Sharpie they didn't actually like poke it out. It's just like Sharpie.
1: Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> why so, like, I kept her whining to hear what Scully yeah. said about the eye because I couldn't tell if she said that they removed it or if they hurt it or whatever. Cause the doll just had a black eye. So I was like, I don't know what happened to his eye.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I assumed it was like, maybe it was like shot through the head in the eye. Maybe or I, I thought
1: so too, but later we learned no. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, apparently he had lots of things done to him. He so. did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So then we're at the Fiore residence, and this is in Kenmore, New York. And Mulder and Scully arrive at the house of Detective Fiore, and they knock on the door, and he answers, and he's clearly like hesitant, but they show him a sketch. So he comes out of the house and like shuts the door behind him, and he's like, Yeah, I don't want to wake up my wife. And he seems nervous. And so Mulder asks about Morris's death, and Fiore's like, Well, it's still under investigation, so I can't really tell you much. And then he asks why they even want to know. Because who, you know, why is the FBI involved? And Mulder tells him they think maybe Morris and Barbala's deaths are connected. And Fiori's like, well, I don't see how. One of them fell out a window. The other was killed by a gang. And so Fiori thinks that Morris was randomly grabbed by the gang that killed him, like he was just a cop in the wrong place. And he he was doing drug busts and stuff, but he was the one they could get their hands on. And so they killed him basically to make a point to the other cop. Yeah,
0: because he was technically off-duty when he was killed, I guess. Right. He wasn't actually, like, on, like, they say in the line of duty in the report, but apparently he wasn't actually, like, working at the time.
1: Right. So it was was based on his work, but it wasn't, like, while he was on shift. And so then his wife comes out and fiori like clams up immediately and he starts saying look it's the weekend if you guys want to know more you can come talk to me on monday and he also tells his wife like they're asking about something else so clearly he doesn't want her to know what's going on and then as they leave scully notes that the wife had flour on her hands from baking so clearly she wasn't sleeping so that was a lie too so this guy's super reliable
0: I think it was funny. She was like, see, her hands were covered in baking flour. And I'm like, what is the kind of flour is there? And like, it's flour. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, there's cake flour and there's AP and there's bread flour, but it's like, it's, it's baking flour. You're not so. going to know that
1: from somebody's <laughs> hands. And if you do, yeah. you're really, really good at baking.
0: Yeah. I also like, so there's two things. So, one is the idea, like, when he opens the door to talk to him, there's like a chain on the door. And like the idea that you have a chain on your door when your entire front door is basically just a giant window, like, the whole door is basically glass. And so, like, that chain is really going to stop someone from coming in if they want to. Kind of hilarious, especially because you're a cop. Right. But then he's all like, <laughs> case is under investigation. I can't talk about it. But then he pretends basically to tell them everything about yeah. what's going on. <laughs> like, he just <laughs> blah, 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 So.
1: I can't tell you anything. Let me just tell you the entire story. And then...
0: <laughs> yeah. So oh. then we're at Buffalo Mutual Life insurance company i'm imagining we're at the main office in buffalo new york and fiori is in the office and there's a guy at the desk telling fiori that he needs to relax and not tell the fbi anything and fiori's upset that the fbi made the connection between morris and Barbara, and he wants to go see the box And the man behind the desk is like, hey, there's only two of us left, and that's over a million each. And Fiore is like, I don't care. Keep it all. Go off to, like, where is it? You're going to go, Costa Rica or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, hey, do you think I like selling insurance to people? Like, hey what happens if an arm comes off and it's like the way he's the things he's saying it's almost like he's slightly possibly threatening fiori at the same time while he's describing like how he sells insurance to people i'm not sure if that was the intent or not he's like they're like us they're just going through the motions and everything's going to be fine and he's like you need to get your act together so obviously yeah going on
1: yeah so now we kind of know that like these two guys who are dead were related. And the way they talk about it, they mention something about Charlie Morris. Like, what happened to him was an accident. They were just trying to scare him. So, like, it's the hmm. classic, like, story about the good cop who's murdered by corrupt cops for not committing crimes with them, which I feel like comes up a lot on procedurals and stuff. <laughs> like, that's a common storyline. Or maybe I just watch too much TV. Probably that. <laughs> I do.
0: I watch way Could too be much both. TV. Could yeah, be both. Yeah, it's, it's both. And
1: I especially... Really, like, I used to watch Law & Order all the time. And it was, like, on all the time. So it was just, like, always on. And my brother was a huge fan, too. So, like, I would get home from work, and Andrew would just have, like, Law & Order running, <laughs> so we just watched it constantly. It was there always. So I've seen a lot of police procedurals. So it's later at night, and the insurance guy is walking down the sidewalk, and there's, like, a bus. It says it's heading downtown on the front of the bus, and it comes around the corner, and he's at the bus stop, so he gets on and then the bus like drives on the street and then later we see him get off at a stop and as he's getting off the bus his scarf like magically flies up behind him yeah, and like
0: almost as if almost as if a string were pulling it strangely <laughs> yeah
1: and it like gets stuck in the door of the bus and then the bus like drags him along and so he's like jogging along with the bus like yelling and like hitting the side of the bus Mm -hmm. to tell the bus driver and so the bus driver sees him and like tries to stop the bus but the bus like he can't get the brake to work and the accelerator like goes down on its own so it starts going faster Mm -hmm. and the bus driver's like fighting with the bus trying to get it to work finally he gets the brakes to stop and he gets out and he rushes around to the side of the bus and like the man is like kind of lifeless and hanging there he's like you know he's dead he's dead and we see Michelle sitting on the bus like looking at him out the window just like really creepy yeah yeah and i, was, I don't know like it was, no.
0: it was a, it's a weird scene
1: it's weird Well, cuz like it's weird the way his scarf gets caught because it's I mean, there's no ambiguity. It's very much like something. Yeah, it
0: definitely like floats up in the air, goes in the door. The door is closed, and then we see it like wrap around the guardrail inside.
1: <laughs> and like the you know, there's an eight year old girl on the bus at night. Like we don't know how late it is because it does get dark pretty early. So it could just be like four thirty or five. And I'm sure like I know middle school kids tend to ride the bus because they it's just how they get home from school. Like they just ride the bus after. School programs or after sports, so that's normal.
0: Hey man, but as long as she pays her fare, it's all good.
1: Yeah, it was just kind of. Weird I'm more worried. Get on the bus and like no one is weirded out by it, but
0: yeah, I'm more worried about what's going to happen to that poor bus driver. Oh yeah, no, he's going to be in. He's so going to be trouble. in trouble. And then speaking of which, so there's a shot because the bus driver is like a young black adult male and he's got like a hat on and he's driving the bus and he's trying to stop it and then he runs out and this kind of stuff. But then right before the bus stops is a scene where we see the bus coming towards us on the road, like it's just, you know, driving down the street, coming straight at us. And the driver of that bus is actually a white dude with glasses and doesn't have a hat. So good job, <laughs> continuity editor. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and that poor anyway. bus driver is going to be like, what yeah, he's going to yeah. like."
0: yeah he's gonna probably lose his he's probably gonna lose his job because like why didn't you stop and he's gonna be like well i tried but like they're not gonna believe him
1: i know yeah who's gonna yeah they're not
0: gonna believe that shit he's nobody the poor guy he might even end up going to jail because of this we never get the poor guy's backstory that's messed up
1: it is it's messed up yeah plus it's a really messed up way to kill somebody anyway there's got to be easier ways. very
0: strange yeah come on and like Yeah, I don't know. I would think that he'd be, like, dragging. He's pretty much still standing up when they find him. Like, so even though the bus was, like, zooming along, he didn't, like, I mean, he's wearing a scarf. I assumed it would stretch, and he would, but anyway. Shoes probably aren't scuffed or nothing either, but. Yeah. Mulder and Scully are with Judy Bishop at the precinct, and she's upset. And says, so like, Michelle's only eight. She couldn't have done anything. And they're like, hey, hey, like, yeah, she's witnessed two people die. But, like, no one's saying that she had anything to do with it. She just happens to be there, which is weird. And so Scully's like that the police department apparently has, like, rooms on reserve at some hotel. And so they're going to take Michelle and her to the hotel room to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they have to be kept safe, why they wouldn't just go home because they don't. Live technically very far away, but whatever. And then Lazard pulls Mulder aside, and she tells him that she found that the dead guy, the insurance agent, is actually a former cop, and he used to be partnered with Barbara.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Yep. yep. We kind of get the idea what's going on here in this episode. Yes. And I'm not sure anything's really going to uh, help it. But I started wondering, like, who is Michelle's dad? Because if we're thinking, like, reincarnation or something going on, and we're finding all these connections between people, I'm like, why is Michelle involved in this? And I know technically that's not how, like, reincarnation works. But, I mean, they're already messing with it, by like, giving her, like, psychic powers and stuff. So, but that was my thought. Is was like, hey, because we, we make a point of mentioning that, like, the dad's not around. Yes. But yeah, we never talk about the dad. And my thought was like, who's the dad? It would be cool if like the dad was involved somehow. Maybe that's why his daughter is part of this. But anyway, yeah, that was just me trying to make this story make connections. <laughs> and it is so.
1: And I think they're taking him to a hotel just because, like, obviously, if this girl's around so many deaths, she might be a target in some way. But like, I don't yeah, know, maybe. Yeah. yeah, they could just put cops outside because we know that always works really well.
0: <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, especially when there's psychokinesis involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it worked for Lauren Kite, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Mulder and Scully are working in like a small conference room. They say all four men, Fiore, Balbara, the dead guy from the bus, and Morris, only had one thing in common. And that was this drug bust nine years ago that, I guess, Morris was killed like right before or right after?
0: Well, it must have been right after because if it was before, he wouldn't have been involved.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So right after... And then Scully is looking at one of the reports, and she notices there's a page missing. So then she looks at the log, and she notices that Fiori checked it out that afternoon. So he was the last one to check it out before her, and now there's a page that's
0: gone. Yep, and it was at 2 p.m. on March 29th, 1994. Boom! We get a real date. Yay! And we're going to get another one later. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to go to Fiori's house, and so they do. And Mulder and Scully show up. And his wife answers in her bathrobe and tells them that he never came home last night. And so they're like, can we come in? And she's like, okay, and let them in. So like, you know, they're talking and Mulder's like looking at their fish tank. They have like an exotic fish tank kind of thing. And there's like a cool little like diver dude in it. There's like a little decoration. And then he's looking at all these origami animals. And it's like, ooh, origami animals. Because remember, Michelle threw one at Mulder when she was up in her room, which is weird but anyway so fiori's wife says that he told her that he fiori was working a double shift but because she was worried about him she called the precinct and they were like he's not scheduled and so she's been making calls and they're like well can you think of anybody else who might know where he's at and she's like i've been on the phone all night so like i basically called everybody that i could possibly call and he's like, well, do you know any of the people he used to work with? People that he may have been involved with a drug bust a long time ago, or that you went to dinner with at some point, just can't remember their names. And I'm like, well, if she can't remember their names, how is she going to tell you what their names is? But anyway. <laughs> and then Mulder asks about the origami and she's like, oh, that was Charlie's hobby. And they're like, Charlie? And so it turns out she was actually married to Charlie Morris when he died. And then now she's married to his partner, Fiore, which is kind of Creepy, but anyway, and that that night she was also waiting for him to come home when the night that he died, obviously, and that he was doing all the origami animals that were in a painting that's up above there. And the only one they hadn't finished was the giraffe, and they point out the giraffe. And so, but yeah, kind of creepy if you married the wife of the dude that you probably played a role in having murdered. That's gross, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of creepy. Like, it makes sense just in the terms of like we were friends, we were close. Me and the wife. Maybe he was close with both of them, and then he died, and like you know things happened. They fell in love, but knowing- maybe they were having
0: an affair, <laughs> and they decided to kill him.
1: I don't what think happened? so in this case, but that would make that, sense. That
0: could have been that could have been it. Boom, Got it.
1: <laughs> solved. Baked right, him a, go home. a
0: killer pastry with baking flour, and that's
1: how he died. So. <laughs> So as they leave, Mulder says that Michelle is eight years old, meaning that she was conceived around the time Morris was killed. And Scully's like, reincarnation based on origami, like seriously. But Mulder says, yeah, like the fact that Michelle was around two deaths that could be tied to Morris is a huge coincidence. And then he says like people who have been reincarnated often exhibit enhanced psychic abilities. So like this theory makes total sense to him. To me, it seems kind of like a big leap, but I guess, like, it's not a bigger leap than poltergeist, I guess. Yeah,
0: it's not. I don't. Yeah. I mean, the whole, like, people who have been reincarnated have psychic abilities. No, because he even mentioned the fact that reincarnation is a basic tenet of, like, major religions. And so, like, does everybody who believes in that religion have psychic abilities? No. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, the ghost thing makes more sense. And for some reason, like the ghost could be bonded to Michelle, sort of like how there was a ghost bonded to Lauren Kite, maybe.
1: Hmm, You know, know. it's not like you've seen this exact thing before.
0: No, not at all. (laughs) Anyway, so Mulder somehow talks everyone into letting Michelle go under hypnosis, And so, like, they're all watching Mulder and Scully and her mom, Judy, are watching. Oh, and the doctor as well, Dr. Braun. They're all watching, like, from behind, like, a mirror. And the hypnotist is, like, you know, putting her under. And they're, like, you know, Michelle's, like, he's, like, where are you? And she's, like, I'm home. And he's, like, okay. And then he asked her, like, how old she is. She's, like, I'm 24. (laughs) And they're like, what is going on? And then suddenly she's like, oh, we can't do this. It's wrong. It's wrong. And it's like, starts yelling. And so they're like, hey, we need to stop this. She's like losing her mind. We're like, And then it's like, Dr. Braun gets angry. Actually, I think Dr. Braun was in the room because she comes running out of the room and goes into behind the mirror place. And it's like we need to stop this. You're going to let this happen. And she's going to end up having like a psychic break and may never come back or whatever kind of thing. And so Judy's like, no, no. And then she starts screaming like, you're killing me. You're killing me. And so Judy runs in and is like, this is over. And she hugs her daughter and boom down. Yeah. Done. That's it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's it. It's done. So then Scully tells Mulder, the bishops have left and Mulder wants to try it again. But Scully's like, there's no way in this lifetime that Judy is going for that. It's not happening.
0: We have and to then, wait until she becomes reincarnated, and then we can do it.
1: Right. So next time, Mulder.
0: <laughs> that, that was the first thing I thought of when she said the lifetime thing. It was like, oh, we're talking about reincarnation. We just have to wait till the next lifetime.
1: <laughs> and then she's like, what do you even hope to gain from this? Like, We can find the truth by finding Fury. We don't have to involve this kid. And Mulder gets heated and he insists, like, it's clear the girl is Charlie Morris, which again, I don't think that's clear, but it's clear to Mulder. So (laughs) Scully says, even if we convince Judy to do another hypnosis session, no grand jury is going to admit any of this is evidence, let alone the fact that Michelle is Morris reincarnated. So we won't have an actionable case. So like, we need to follow the leads that will help us, not the leads that are just going to not go anywhere
0: yeah, and Mulder argues that like hypnosis is like a valid means for like healing. I think he says that actually in the next scene that we're going to get into. and i'm I'm wondering, like how much of that is like his own personal bias because we know Mulder undergoes hypnotic regression to deal with, you know, the abduction of Sam or the disappearance yes. of Sam. Let's not lead the witness here by using the word abduction. so. <laughs> Um, But yeah, the disappearance of his sister. So I wonder how much of that is like personal bias. Although I really doubt they thought that much about it when they were writing this episode.
1: Probably not, but yeah, I could see him having a really strong bias for that.
0: Yeah. So then we're at the FBI regional headquarters in Buffalo, New York. And Mulder is watching the, because I guess they videotaped the session as well as, I think there's also audio cassettes. Like he's watching a video, which apparently doesn't have sound, I think. But then he's listening to audio cassettes. I could be wrong. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, it's like, Some black and white TV thing, and he's watching it, and he's doing like voiceover as he's taking notes on the video, talking about how reincarnation is possibly the most likely explanation. And then on the tape, Michelle starts to say she's 24, and then right at the point where she starts screaming, We can't do this, it's wrong. The tape like glitches out and then it jumps into the we can't do this it's wrong and so to rewind he does it again there's something on there and so like he does it several times and it's like that same glitch is there so it's not just like something was on the tape it's on the film or video probably video i imagine so my like enhance 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 <laughs> and i'm thinking you know it's coming. It's Howard Graves. Oh, no. It's Howard Graves. Yep, definitely Howard Graves. Howard Graves. Or maybe, maybe it's Howard Graves and Charlie Morris. Howard Graves and Charlie Morris are ghosts, but together they're making sure the bad guys are the ones who (laughs) stay dead. Tonight on Fox Movie Night. That's what's going on. Right here. They're teaming up.
1: I would watch that. I would watch that. (laughs) Howard Graves and Charlie Morris both killed before their time. Now they're yeah. out together. Or away.
0: maybe Charlie Morris is really Howard Graves, although he doesn't look like him. But you
1: know, yeah. And I don't think the timelines line up because Howard Graves was kind of old. So
0: that's true. Yeah, that's why I meant by didn't look like him because he was like bald and everything. So yeah.
1: Oh, you were thinking because Charlie of- Morris had like a second family? A second well, life. I was thinking, yeah, like he <laughs> was living
0: like a second life. Yeah, he was living <laughs> a separate life, and so yeah. He was doing that action. I mean, could be, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> we need extraordinary evidence to prove this. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Miss Fiore is at home, and she's on the phone with someone. Clearly, her husband is not back yet because she says something about how, like, she wants to stay home in case he comes home. And then she hangs up. And so she like starts turning off the lights and going upstairs to bed. And she's like on the stairs when there's a knock at her door. So she races down the stairs and she's like, Tony, Tony. And she thinks it's her husband and she opens the door and then no one's there. And she looks around outside and she's just like, what? And then she looks down at her feet and on the welcome mat, there's this little origami giraffe. And, of course, that's the only animal that Charles Morris never finished from his collection that he didn't finish before he died. And now it's there. So, she kind of picks it up and goes back inside. Yeah. Weird.
0: I was like, oh, it's Edward James almost Because, like, in Blade Runner, he, like, does origami stuff.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I've never seen Blade um, Runner. I'm just
0: going to link this to, like, every movie I can think of or TV show (laughs) is what I'm going to do. So... Because they're more interesting. Anyway, so we're back at FBI regional headquarters in Buffalo, New York, and there's a video expert with Mulder and Scully, and he's telling them, like, you can bring out the image in the static that was recorded, like, it wasn't added later. Like, it's definitely, like, on the tape. It was definitely recorded, like, live in camera. So while they're doing that, Lazard found a copy of Charlie Morse's autopsy report, because I guess. Barbala made digital copies of all the stuff on hard drives, and so they actually, since that file is missing or that page of the file was missing, they got a digital copy of his file. So he actually was a slightly good cop, at least if you knew he was a bad cop, and and like sexually harassed people at work all the time. But he kind of like at least kept good records. Also so committed murder.
1: Not that that's you know sexual harassment. Yeah, like,
0: well that that goes with the whole bad cop. Although I mean, <laughs> cops kind of commit murder a lot. So anyway, yeah, um, the report shows that he was drowned. But that only his face and head showed marks of, like, you know, what would happen with water, like the, like the puckering and that kind of stuff. Meaning that only his head was submerged. So he was probably drowned in a bathtub or a toilet. And then, but then their sodium levels indicate that he was probably killed in salt water. Dun, dun, dun. So.
1: Yeah so i have a lot of questions and I, I thought of this when we were talking earlier about how his arm was cut off and his eye was removed like mm-hmm. and then well uh, maybe i'll get to this later because we know where he was drowned but like where was his body found what order was all this done in like it seems well like- he was found
0: he was supposedly because we get all these i mean almost like racist stories about chinatown and we get like some names of people that he was trying to track down that are all like super racist names and because they are working with the triad gangs you know dropping dope and blah 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 all this kind of stuff he he was found in chinatown i remember that much. okay and so that's why they figured it was that and it was related but then like it's like he was killed in the line of duty but then no he was actually like off duty so like these kidnapped him supposedly and whatever but i'm like dude it's been nine years the dude only stole this page like a day ago and no one has looked at that and was like well that's strange maybe we should investigate this. I mean, supposedly this case is still under in investigation nine years later. It is, Like, yeah. no one has mentioned the fact that, like, oh, yeah, his arm was chopped off, and his eye was popped out, or they Sharpie it. Maybe they just, maybe they just draw like a Sharpie thing on his eye. That's how they, that's how they do it. They cut your arm off with a chainsaw, and they put, like, a little Sharpie X on your eyes, so it's like you're dead. Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, no one noticed, no one mentions the fact that, like, oh, yeah, and by the way, he was probably drowned first, and...
1: Well, and if he was drowned first, which makes sense, given what we find out later, like, that means his arm was removed post-mortem, which would have been obvious to a coroner, Mm -hmm. but that can't be how the gangs do it, because the gangs are torturing people, so they're not going to remove your arm after you're dead. They're going to do that thing when you're, like, still alive and suffering, Yeah. so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it obviously doesn't add up.
0: Yeah, so, like, in nine years, no one, like, put those things together, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned. So basically, about well. you
1: and I should be solving murders.
0: <laughs> Possibly,
1: <laughs> we should yeah. be out there. Although, yeah. Anyway, I probably would not be
0: great yeah. at it in real life. And then, but he was drowned in seawater. And Buffalo is why well, red. One of the things I was reading is like Buffalo's landlocked. Buffalo's not landlocked. I mean, it's on like you know one of the Great Lakes. But I mean, like those are freshwater, right? So how is he drowned in seawater? That's crazy. Like, are you salt in your toilet water? I don't know maybe we'll find out
1: (laughs) so then fiori comes running into his house and he's yelling for his wife and so she's really happy to see him she hugs him she's like where have you been And he tells her that she needs to go upstairs and pack a bag. And he thinks someone's trying to kill him. And she's like, who? Who wants to kill you? What's going on? And then he, like, loses patience that she wants to know this vital information Mm -hmm. before she turns her life upside down and leaves her home that she's clearly lived in for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, just trust me on this. Go upstairs. And he gets, like, kind of cranky about it. And he totally yells at her. He does. And then we, like, they go upstairs to, like, pack her bag and we see Michelle watching through the window.
0: Yeah, and I've gone back at this. So, what there's many things weird about this scene. One, yes. the whole time he's telling her that she needs to pack bags so they can go and leave, he's not looking at her at all. Like, he's not looking at his wife. He doesn't look at his wife until he yells at her, which I'm like, what are you looking at? I guess he's looking at the front door, like maybe he's afraid someone's going to bust through the door. Yeah. I don't know. But then the thing with Michelle, I've got, I went back and looked at it. And I can't tell if she's supposed to be outside looking in the window or if she's supposed to be inside and behind the curtains. Because we pan over to the window as I go upstairs and like there's a lamp on and then we get curtains and then we see her and she's like lit as if the lamp was coming from behind the curtains, like hitting her face. But if she was outside, that wouldn't work. So is it like light from outside supposed to be? I have no idea. I
1: yeah mean, i couldn't I tell of, either because i noticed that too and i thought it was weird and i'm like I'm and sure. if
0: it's like glass it's like really clear glass and she's like way up on it and like not fogging it up because it looks like there's nothing there but right. i don't know what i don't know what it's supposed to be
1: yeah it's not really so. clear so meanwhile the video analyst has mostly cleared the grainy image from the tape and it looks like a little diver and so Mulder looks at it and he's like oh Morris was drowned in his own fish tank. And this is the last thing he saw before he died.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I mean, he did see the diver earlier. It's still, it feels like a leap. Anyway, so Mulder's like, I hope Miss Fiore's up. So they're clearly going to go back to the Fiore house.
0: Yeah, I was thinking there was like evidence hidden in like the diver. Like they were going to crack it open. But then like, he's like, this is the last thing he saw. I'm like, oh, okay. Gotcha. All right.
1: cool. Yeah. All All right. Sure. Meanwhile, Miss Fiore is showing her husband the origami giraffe, and she's like, "Do you know who left this? Because like clearly something's going on." And so she's like, "What's happening?" And then of course the lights cut out in the house because that's always mm-hmm. what happens. And so of he course. tells her to stay in the room and like keep the door closed. And then the lock kind of like turns by itself after he leaves, which yeah, was
0: yeah spooky.
1: And then Fiore heads downstairs with his gun drawn, and there's like this cord that comes unplugged like yeah, <laughs> you...
0: with bad stop motion yeah.
1: yeah and so it unplugs from the wall and like wraps around his legs and so then he falls to the ground and his gun like topples out of his hand and, like scatters across the floor and so it's like out of his reach and then michelle steps into the room and she's watching him mm-hmm. and Mulder and scully pull up to the house and they hear commotion inside so they just like try to enter but the door is locked so, like, they try to get it open, and then Mulder kind of approaches one of the windows with the shutter slam shut, and they can hear Miss Fiore yelling for help.
0: Yeah. So, then we cut back into the house, and Michelle's, like, looking at things, and they're using, like, this super unnecessary, like, digital slow motion blur thing. Like, she looks, it's like, ugh. Oh, and then, like, when she looks at them, like, the glass in a picture shatters, or, like, a vase explodes, and it's, like. Uh, okay i get what you're doing but (laughs) let's not do that it's
1: very like okay she's clearly psychically making this blow up
0: yeah and the basic direction is like little girl look over there okay little girl look over there and that's that's all she's doing she's just like "Mm, mm." and then they're using like digital blurring slow motion stuff to make it look all spooky but yeah yeah
1: and then so Mulder and scully get around to the back door and they manage to like break the window on the back door to get in
0: Yeah, which if they're going to do that, like, you hear people are, like, yelling, help, 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 oh, my God, help, and you hear things breaking, like, you're standing in front of a front door that's made of glass. (laughs) Like, go through the front door. Like, Scully even, like, at one moment, like, Scully pulls her gun when they're first, like, when they can't get in the door, and I thought she was going to, like, shoot the doorknob, or, like, I'm going to use my gun, and I'm going to bust the glass, right? But no, they run around the whole house looking for ways to get in, and then they bust the glass to get into another door. Yeah. Why didn't you just do that to begin with? (laughs) anyway so a good door that you could shatter and you don't
1: i know it's ridiculous and then fury like he clearly knows what's going on which again this to me is a weird leap for someone to make like you can i don't know i guess what else would you think but like it's just weird he knows who michelle is he knows he's talking to charlie morris and he immediately just says like Look, they were just going to talk some sense into you. All you had to do was take the money. Why didn't you just take the money? That's all you had to do.
0: Just take the money. Leave the cannoli. Like, yeah. Take... <laughs> no, you take the cannoli. You take the cannoli. You leave, you
1: leave the yeah. gun.
0: I think, yeah. Yeah, you leave I, haven't, but you take, I haven't seen that. You take the cannoli. Yet. Definitely. In yeah. a long time.
1: It's been a long time. <laughs> but yeah, take the cannoli. Oh, man, now I want a cannoli. Oh, it sounds so good. Anyway. Um <laughs> So then Mulder and Scully, like they split up because they've come in the back of the house. So Scully heads upstairs and Mulder heads for the living room and Mulder sees Michelle standing over him, standing over Fiori. And she's like, this won't make it right. Whatever you're going to do, it's not going to make it right.
0: Yeah, And then upstairs, Scully is like going to the bedroom and she sees this key on the floor because there was like a key in the door. Like when he left originally, there was like a key in the keyhole under the doorknob. And then like, as he left, like it like spookily like turned and locked the door. But apparently now it also like jumped out of the lock and it's on the floor. So Scully picks it up and lets Miss Fiori out. And they both run downstairs and Fiori's on the ground and like Michelle standing there and she's like hit him like with like magically hit him like with her special powers like like fireplace pokers have come and hit him in the head and she's like throwing trinkets at him and it keeps missing she has bad aim i would be like just come back around with the poker and stab him done anyway but yeah and so Fiori tells his wife he's sorry he knows what they did to charlie because she runs up you know because he's laying on the floor with like i think he's got like his head's cut when the poker hit him in the head and he's like i was a part of what happened to him and i never said anything to you like because it was, you know, that I married your husband, basically. <laughs> and I just wanted to take care of you. who was going to take care of you if Charlie was gone? So apparently that's why he married his partner's wife is because he was really worried about his wife
1: and yeah, wanted to make sure that she I'm was sure. taken care of.
0: Yeah. And then the fish tank starts, like, shaking and it gets super bright inside of it. Like, the light is, like, they've got, like, a dimmer on it, but they turn it up to 11 and it gets super bright inside the fish tank. And then, like, more glasses breaking around different places in the apartment and, like, the s- ceiling starts to, like come apart for some reason too and then Mrs. Fiore is like please don't hurt him anymore and then they have like a staring contest and then Michelle turns around and she looks at the fish tank and boom just the fish tank explodes and there's like little fish we assume fish everywhere and like the gravel and of course glass and water goes everywhere and then Scully walks over and picks up the gun that's at Michelle's feet and we don't see Michelle we just see her feet because she just like Basically, like turns around and walks away, and like like let her walk away. I and know. The gun gets picked up, and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> like you just let like, this little girl just, I just like wrecked your house, and I'm just gonna leave. Bye. See you later. Yeah.
1: And also, like, those poor fish. Like, get the fish. Get them in some water. Someone do something for the fish.
0: Yeah, I don't think they cared much about that. I'm not sure the people writing this actually even thought about the fact that there would be fish in there when it exploded. And, like, you got to worry about the fish. because No, because right? they
1: only – it's the cool effect, you know. But, yeah. Yeah, my first thought but... was, like, help the fish. <laughs> Scully, get a but bowl. But the thing.
0: Like, weren't those his fish? Like, I get that he died in that thing. But, like, weren't those his fish? Like, why Probably. would he blow the aquarium up like why would you do that when did you maybe care about those fish at some point i mean maybe they were his wife's fish i don't know but like i get you know he died there so obviously that's not a cool place but then also also like in nine years you don't talk your wife into getting rid of the fish tank where you know her husband was murdered like you don't like want that like get that out of your house you don't want that you're just gonna keep it in your house for like nine years
1: yeah maybe she was really reluctant though because like if he really loved it like she wouldn't want to get rid of it
0: Maybe. But if he really loved it, why did he explode it?
1: I know. I know. It's, yeah, it's, mm.
0: And then, yeah, no one goes to, like, save those fish, which we're assuming were, like, expensive fish.
1: Yeah, they looked like nice tropical fish, and they can live a really long time and, like,
0: I don't know. Mm, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> no, they can't. No, I would. I would say no. No, those fish oh can't my live God, a long time. Poor fish. I think. I. I think they die somewhere around the March-April barrier of 1994.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure in real life no fish were harmed, et cetera, et cetera, But still, like, yeah, just in universe, this stuff always bothers me because I'm like, come on, <laughs> if that happened to my fish tank and I had a nice fish tank, I'd be like grabbing bowls. <laughs> Yeah. I know they need salt water, but I'd be doing what I could until I could triage the situation. There's probably
0: salt in the kitchen. You can make some salt water. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so then Mulder's voiceover tells us that Fiore pled guilty to murder after the fact. Or I th- I don't think it's murder after the fact. I think it's like but basically helping with murder. Basically, you know that the person was murdered. You helped hide the body. Yeah, that kind of I would
0: probably just say, like, Fiore pled guilty to a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, and, like, grand <laughs> larceny, obstruction of justice. Basically a ton of stuff because he helped hide a body and cover up a murder. And then we see Michelle in a pool, and she's- there's another kid, and they're both swimming, and there's an adult. She's, like, a swimming teacher.
0: Maybe and- that's the lady who was locked in the cellar.
1: Who knows? But Mulder has a voiceover because he's stealing Scully's shtick now. And he tells us that Michelle claims no memory of the preceding events, and both Judy and Dr. Braun have declined any further hypnosis. But basically, things have kind of gone back to normal for her, and the deaths of the other two men are being ruled accidental. So I guess the guy with the scarf in the bus and the guy who fell out the window, they're just being ruled as accidents.
0: Those are totally accidents. I accidentally fall out windows all the time. Thankfully, I only live like one floor up, so it's not a big deal. (laughs) But yeah, uh,
1: and no charges were brought against Michelle, an eight-year-old girl, <laughs> in the deaths of these two men that don't seem like she could have caused in any rational way. And the home
0: invasion of another person, yeah, and, like, destruction of their their house, fish but...
1: tank, murdering their yeah. fish, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, she was cleared of all charges, I guess. And then Mulder's like, "End a field journal," and then he also gives the date, which I knew would make you happy, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety-four.
0: And that's it. Yeah. End of episode. This episode was boring as hell. I'm sorry.
1: It was pretty boring.
0: Also, apparently David Duchovny detests this episode. And oh, that is does he? Yes.
1: I so. wonder why.
0: Probably because it's not good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if there's a specific reason or, like, filming it sucked or something or if it was just because the episode's not <laughs> Well,
0: the characterization of Mulder is very off in this one.
1: It is. Because, like, he does – the thing about Mulder and the thing I love about Mulder is that he believes in stuff, but he always has a reason. And, like, we saw in Beyond the Sea, like, there's a line, too. Like, he doesn't just mm-hmm. really nilly really believe in anyone who claims that there's, like, magic or psychic powers or whatever.
0: And the whole reincarnation thing is really shoehorned into this. Like, the first jump would be, like, like a Howard Graves thing, like, oh, it's a ghost, Right ghost photography and all this kind of business but like and again like it i don't i I don't understand how reincarnation even plays a role in the story because like reincarnated people don't suddenly have like psychic powers but yeah files so
1: i mean i guess like he's back to get revenge in the body of an eight-year-old girl and that could have worked if they had done it differently they did not do it differently, so yeah. it didn't. Really also,
0: work. it basically is just a rehash of at least two different episodes because we had Lazarus not too long ago, where we had someone coming back to life in the body of someone else, mm-hmm. and then this the like the comparison with Shadows is like also totally yeah. there. Even though there we're dealing with a ghost versus reincarnation, but this could have easily just been a ghost story. Yeah, like, it, it, actually, this would have made more sense if it was a ghost story. So, and then yeah. like, you know, Michelle was somehow connected. Like, you know, maybe her dad was one of those cops or I don't know, but.
1: Yeah. Or just get rid of Michelle altogether. But then I don't know how it would works. Yeah. So. But
0: the ghost would have to be bonded to somebody. Yeah. So. Could be bonded to Detective Lazard.
1: So uh, Howard Gordon also didn't like this episode. He said it fell short of expectations and that like he and some of the others feel this episode is a little too copy. And like police procedural like for the x-files like it it's not it's kind of like a police procedural with some supernatural elements and not really like an x-file case
0: yeah and when asked where they came up with the idea for this episode he said the impetus was desperation yeah so that goes into my theory about how like a lot of these episodes aren't that great because they were really under pressure to like we had a good we had a good premise Oh crap! Now we need to come up with like twenty three more episodes in this season, right? And they can't all and think, be. Aliens. And I think they were struggling. So
1: yeah, and reincarnation is a good idea. Like on the face of it, the idea of someone coming back and then like someone who was murdered and that affecting a kid—that could be a really interesting story. Just the way they went with it didn't work. No. No.
0: Because it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense for the story, in my opinion. So,
1: yeah. Anyway, so Mulder stole Scully's voiceover stick, which I said earlier. Yep.
0: Yeah. Although I technically. So here's my thought on that is that technically he's like the keeper of the X-Files. Right. Yes. And so he's writing his report, which I think his report is going to go into the X-Files cabinet. Right. Oh, yes. Where I always assume Scully's voiceover stuff is actually the reports that she's sending to Blevins and Skinner. And maybe they're cross-referenced, but they're not actually part of the X-Files.
1: No, I think you're right. Because, like, hers... she Mulder might throw a copy of her report sometimes, but her reports mm-hmm. are meant to, like explain to the rest of the FBI what's going on. (laughs)
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: And that's why hers are always like, there's no real evidence of whatever that Mulder is, Agent Mulder is. Yeah, so I think here we're
0: actually getting probably the first time that Mulder is actually, like, maintaining the X-Files themselves, but, like, updating the cases.
1: Right, and so this is what would be in the cabinet, the file cabinet. That makes sense. I like that idea a lot, actually.
0: Yeah. So, interesting little bit here. So, Maggie Wheeler, the actress who plays Detective Lazard, She was in her own. I think her only film credit is in a film called New Year's Day from 1989, which also includes David Duchovny because they were dating then. Oh, nice! Um, But she was Maggie Jacobson at that time, so I don't know if she married in between or if she just like changed her name for acting or whatever. But that was actually David Duchovny's second movie, and but it was his first speaking role because his first movie was Working Girl. He played like. Someone's friend who like didn't speak in the movie at all, but so that's David Duchovny's second movie, and I think it's her only movie. But apparently they also dated like in the past because like so in nineteen eighty nine they were dating. So like five years later, she's in the X Files with them So apparently they stayed they stayed friendly at least. I'm assuming. So,
1: cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yep. And then just because so Orchard Park, which is where the bishops are supposed to live in their fancy house with a wine cellar and.
1: The giant governesses pool. and
0: giant pool and all that kind of stuff. Is fifteen miles southeast of Buffalo, New York. And then Kenmore, which is where the Fiores supposedly live, is eight miles north of Buffalo. So they used all real cities in this episode, and they're all basically where they're supposed to be. I mean, Scully mentioned at one point that like when like you know, when they found her, like when she was in the alley, right, when they first find her and she's first talking to Michelle's mom, she's like, well, it's like, you know, it's like 30 minutes on the train, but it's only like a five-minute drive to where she was found. At best, it would be 15 minutes by car right. where it is, just because of, like, traffic and whatever, and that would be, like, taking the freeway. So, not exactly, but pretty good job. So, nice good on you. You, act- you actually use real cities, and you put them basically where they're supposed to be. You didn't, <laughs> like, make lakes magically appear next to them or move them down in the state or anything like that. So, good job.
1: Yay. Yeah. The geography works. It's about the only geography thing. Geography works. The story did not. The <laughs> geography the only thing does. It does, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's here. Oh, it's
0: here. Speaking of which, <laughs> join us next. No, wait, that's not what I say right now. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about the uh the ratings for this episode.
1: Yeah. Um hmm. <laughs> hmm.
0: Just be brutal. Do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, like, Mulder's weird in this episode. Scully is good, but that's just because, like, (laughs) Scully doesn't usually believe Mulder anyway. (laughs) So, like, that's normal for her. I feel like Mulder was, there were a lot of leaps made in this episode, not just by Mulder, but by, like, everyone. Like, how did Fiori know this little girl is his dead friend? Like, that is such a huge... I mean, I get that you can put the pieces together that someone's coming after the people who killed George Morris. Like, that's obviously happening. He and insurance dude already figured that out. But, like, I don't know. Then a little girl's in your house and things are exploding and that's exactly where you go. Like, it just... I mean, again, where else would you go? But also, I don't know if I would get there. Like, I feel like that's just kind of a... A weird thing to jump to right away.
0: Yeah. I also feel they could have used Detective Lazard a lot better. She yes. basically was turned into like evidence courier. Like, oh, look, I found this. Oh, look, I've got this. Oh, look, I have this. Like, that's basically what her whole point ended up being. Like, Mulder and Scully would be talking and she would just like, oh, hey, look what I have. I found <laughs> something. And I could like bring it to them. So, yeah. So yeah. Kind of doing all the work, really. There we go. <laughs>
1: I think I'm trying to think because I really didn't like Jersey Devil, and I feel like this is—I maybe I gave Jersey Devil too high of a score.
0: Well, you gave Jersey Devil a three. <laughs> I gave it a
1: three, and I don't know that this episode deserves a three. You also
0: gave shapes a three. Yeah. And you oh. gave gender bender a one.
1: Yeah, gender bender deserved the one.
0: And gender bender those are your
1: zero. You gave uh, Ghost of <laughs> the Machine
0: a three and a half.
1: Okay. So, so maybe it it is kind of a three ish on my scale. I don't know okay. what's. I don't know. Because it's not. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I probably wouldn't watch it again. And I probably wouldn't watch it on a marathon. I'd be like, oh, this episode. Never mind. I'm yeah, going to go it's, watch Star Trek.
0: It's, it's literally boring.
1: Yeah, and that's how I felt about Jersey Devil, too. Like, I felt like Jersey Devil had some interesting ideas. But then it just at the end, I kept waiting for it to stop. Because I'm like, okay, we get it. <laughs> Let's stop
0: now. Yeah. Well, so- <laughs> Jersey Devil also had the advantage of we had, like, one, if not two, very engaging side characters yeah right we had because we had part ranger pete Mm -hmm. and we had dr diamond yeah so there was that and then also it had it had a good idea like i mean they totally like took the name jersey devil and like misused it kind of like how they're misusing um reincarnation in this episode (laughs) but but but, like none of the character like detective lazard is probably like the most interesting side character but then she's not given anything to do yeah so aside from I think like you're talking your evidence. Into it
1: too i think maybe this is because like it's just at least jersey devil had like the scully dating i feel like that was a really important character oh see that her. i was like
0: i could have done i could have done well
1: that. i didn't need the date but i liked i liked what it did for her character development in terms of i'm choosing my job over this nonsense right now and this episode didn't really have anything for the characters it didn't really move them in any way they kind of are just where they always are which is fine. Again, not every episode needs to do that, but like if it does that and the rest of the episode kind of sucks, I can kind of give it a little, a little more of a point. Whereas here, I feel like it just, eh.
0: Well, and also we had we had like conduit had the kid was good, you know. We had a we we had Eve the the girls in that were like awesome, right? Yeah. And then this one, the kid is like, Ugh. I mean, maybe she is a good child actor. They, yeah. So I actually.
1: Interestingly, I looked up what she's done because I was curious. She was ten when this was filmed. She was born in eighty four, so she was a little older than eight. And since then, she is currently and has for like the last decade been one of the main voices on the My Little Pony cartoons. So she does like three voices for that cart for like Friendship is Magic. So she does a lot of voice acting. So she's doing
0: voice acting now. Okay.
1: It seems like that's mostly what she's doing. I'm going to guess, and I'm going to just say, giving her the benefit of the doubt, that the direction on this episode was not good for her. Like, they basically probably told her, like, stare menacingly or just stare blankly and look. Yeah. She
0: also, I mean, it may also be possible, like, some people some people can act, and they're also good voice actors, right? Because voice acting is a thing. It's not oh, just like yeah. using a script. It's a skill. Voice acting is definitely a thing. Yes. And some people can do both. But some people, like, there are actors who cannot voice act. Like, you hear, like, you know, like, like you know, stars that are like, oh, and we've got this animation starring so-and-so. And you're like, that's just them. That's not the character, right? But then you've got people who are voice actors who you see them, like, in a, an actual, like, movie or film. And you're like, ooh, that's not so good. But they can definitely do the voice acting. Like, they, that is where they should be. Yeah, And then, like, and then you have to rare people like Mark Hamill who can kind of do both. Although yeah. some people would would question Mark Hamill's actual acting. But, like, his voice acting is definitely awesome. And I
1: think you can do both. I think in this case, like... I also think Well, my thought was that
0: maybe she can only... Maybe she's better at one. Yeah, she's probably very good at
1: voice acting. She also might not have the traditional, like, actor look now that she's older, because, you know, who knows act you know hollywood tends to want a very specific yeah thing. although
0: i mean <laughs> there should be all kinds of people there and, should because there are all kinds of people oh, in there the world should. So
1: unfortunately yeah. the reality of casting is probably much different <laughs> than what should yeah. happen anyway this is a long way of saying i think i'm going to give it a 2.5 Ooh,
0: 2.5 yeah okay. i'm going to
1: give i'm going to give it a little more than two but like i don't think it's quite up at three because i think even jersey devil had a little more going for it
0: I thought I'd had you talk down to two, but I lost half. So
1: no, two point five. That's, that's good. pretty, yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's pretty good. I'm going with a one. Oh wow! Okay. This episode. <laughs> yeah. So the only other episode I gave a one to was Shadows. Hmm.
1: Did you give Shadows yeah, a one?
0: I gave Shadows a one. Oh because wow! Lauren I don't irritated that. the shit out of me. Like the story <laughs> itself wasn't that great, and then as a character, she just—I just—I hated her. I have since adjusted my rating of shadows it has gone up from one because I was I realized I was I was definitely doing some some hating on that episode so <laughs> but this one this one definitely like it doesn't even like shadows had good ideas whereas this one I don't know that it has a good idea
1: yeah I, know, I mean it had the, the shadows idea <laughs>
0: Well, and that's the thing too. Like, it does have a good idea, but it's, a, it's an idea that basically was already in an episode. So it doesn't. Right. Yeah, it's just it's just a copy. It's just like a cut and paste, which is one reason why I also think I gave Darkness Falls a lower number because it was basically just a cut. It was basically lifting ice and just changing the monster. Basically, change the location, change the monster, and you've got the same story basically is what they did without maybe not so much like who's infected kind of business. But to me, that was, it was basically the same story. So that's one reason why I gave darkness falls a lower rating too. Totally. I try to, I try to be consistent in my hatred of episodes.
1: (laughs) I'm all over the map, but like, I'm really, I'm an emotional (laughs) viewer. And so for me, like, if you can hit those heartstrings or like really give me that feeling of like, Oh my God, I love Mulder and Scully. Then you can get away with a lot but if you can't yeah. do that, like this episode, then you can't really get away with it because I don't want to be there.
0: Well, I think our listeners would probably agree that I'm also an emotional viewer. I just have like, a, it's a one tone where like, I, <laughs> if, you, I, if I hate it, I hate it. And so that's what gets me. Like, if you make me hate you, then I'm going to hate you.
1: Yeah, so, and yeah. that's totally fair too. <laughs> that's fair. And yeah, this episode is just not, not amazing, which is too bad because like, I feel like reincarnation, there's a lot of potential there. You could do a lot of things with it.
0: I think it would be really hard.
1: It would be hard like, in an like X there file. Is,
0: there's yeah, it's hard to make it in an X file, especially in a single episode.
1: Well, it wouldn't be hard if it didn't have to be. The problem with the X files is there has to be some sense of urgency and like some danger or murder or something yeah. going on. And I think you can make a really compelling episode about that. But like, it's hard to do reincarnation plus like something dangerous plus urgency,
0: right? Yeah. Because there definitely would be interesting stories, but then why would you be calling the FBI? Right. I'm like, oh, my daughter is, like, speaking in their language and is telling me about things that I looked up on Google Earth and, like, it matches perfectly and, you know, or something like that. Right,
1: and those exactly. stories are so cool. But, yeah, the FBI is not going to be then,
0: called in for Yeah, that. but then, yeah, why is the FBI involved in that? Like, <laughs> oh, my God, your daughter is accessing Google Earth? Did she read the EULA? She's not allowed to. She has to be 13. Or, you know, I, I don't know. So. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so the next episode is Roland.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of episodes and hating
1: Uh,
0: and like that kind of thing. So here's the thing. So, Roland, we know it's on one of the, it's on your little vulture list of episodes that like treat things badly.
1: Embarrassing episodes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, Roland is one of those few episodes that along with Eve, and Fallen Angel. And Fallen Angel, I couldn't remember if that was the episode or not, but I knew I knew the plot. I knew the plot was an episode that I really liked. I just couldn't remember if it was Fallen Angel or if it was actually EBE, because for some reason they were both alien episodes, I kind of got them mixed yeah. up in my head a little bit. Makes sense. But like Fallen Angel and Eve and then Roland are episodes I kind of I was reminded what Roland was about when I read the little vulture thing, because when you first did it, when we were talking about gender bender, I kind of read through and I was like, Oh, that's what Roland is about. But like, if you were to say, Oh, the episode Roland, I'd be like, Oh, I remember that episode. And I really liked it.
1: It might be good. And so here's the thing. I don't remember anything about it. I just, when I was looking through the truth is out there, the X-Files book by Brian Lowry, like the first word on that page is like the R word and i was mm. like hmm. and i was actually i was watching the and office. you don't
0: mean and you don't mean roland
1: no and like i was watching the office recently and that was filmed in like 2009 2010 and michael scott says that and i had like a visceral reaction of like oh my god you can't say that and so i think the times have changed a lot in terms of like language that was like more widely used not necessarily acceptable but i think beyond that this episode might be fine <laughs> or maybe not fine it might be better than um i th- because i don't know the plot i don't remember anything about it i'm kind of guessing yeah. it's a flowers for algernon type of thing and it might be p- problematic in that way but i don't know mm-hmm. i'll have to see so i don't know
0: <laughs> and i th- think because obviously in that Vulture article because I I read through it because I was interested in because I remember you were thinking like it was it was like gender better was at the top of the list yeah but then reading through it you didn't want to read through it because you didn't want to get I don't want to I don't want any spoilers of like stuff but then it turned out the list was just in 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 like order of appearance and so like it was at the top because it was the first one on the list in this in the yes. show yeah but i had read through because i was like oh well what are these other ratings Turn out they weren't ratings they were just going in order through the seasons yeah. but so i was reading all these episodes and when i read that one i was like oh so it also has it's gonna have a little bit of um some born again lazarus huh. shadows action as well from what i gathered from that episode
1: so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it ends up playing out and whether you know. I don't know, yeah. I don't know what to expect. And do
0: we know because I didn't look, I haven't looked at the that like reading that vulture thing was enough to be like, okay, I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna watch the episode to get all the business on it. Do we know if that word is actually used in the episode no, or was it just I don't used know. in the description? Of, honestly, okay,
1: I, and I don't, and again, like that's not gonna be like, oh my god, it's an instant whatever because you know, obviously that word. Got used more than it should have been especially in the 90s it just was one of those things where i saw that word i'm like oh no (laughs) oh no this does not bode well (laughs) but i didn't read the page i just saw the word and i was like oh okay well that's not encouraging but who knows because again haven't seen it in a very long time don't remember what it's about don't know anything about it so we'll see what happens and then it's the second to last episode of the whole season so after mm-hmm. that, it's the Erlenmeyer Flask and season one is over. Yeah. So that's pretty wild.
0: That's crazy. Twenty-four episodes.
1: Yeah. All right. So we'll be back next week and we'll let you know if Roland exceeds expectations or turns out to be surprisingly good. The fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios.
0: Episode, production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians.
1: You can find us at Iwanttorewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us.
0: Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 23. Roll it.
1: And try to figure out if, if the truth, truth is, is still, still out, out, there.
0: out there. The truth is what we make out of it. Thompson Gunner. <laughs> anyway.